0: Welcome to Cage Fighting, answering the big questions in film. Hello from me, Andy Gillard.
1: Hello from me, Stu Hall.
0: And hello from me, my guy. Uh, this week, obviously, as you you fellas know, we've had to watch a couple of films in order for our first ever picture pod. We, we're excited to discuss National Treasure and National Treasure Book of Secrets. <laughs> Ecstatic. <laughs> yeah, brilliant, weren't they? I think before we get into the, the film discussion, what we should do is just quickly t- touch on the facts that our beloved Nick Cage has been cast as Joe Exotic. How are we <laughs> feeling about this news? I mean, it'll be his first TV role in, I think, forever. It will be his first sort of like TV role where he's going to be doing more than just an, an odd cameo. It'll be his first sort of starring TV role. It seems quite odd for someone of his stature to now go back and do TV work. Quite intrigued by that.
1: I can't believe it's even been made into something else. Other than, other than Tiger King just being left alone, just to, just to flourish in its own genius. Um, but if you were casting anyone in the world, <laughs> why not cast, cast Nicholas Cage as the main running himself, Joe Exotic? It's it's just amazing news.
2: Yeah, I, I echo that. I think from a casting point of view, I think it's going to be fantastic. and something that I think we're all looking forward to the car crash of watching Joe Exotic again.
3: <laughs> um, and, how, and you know,
2: how excellent that was to begin with. And I think um, the casting is going to be fantastic. I'm really looking forward to it. And I just hope it's as batshit crazy as I think it's going to be. Well,
0: I had a quick look and it's um, it's going to be showrun by someone called Di- Dan Lugana. I-, I believe that's how it's pronounced. He worked on American Vandal. Have either of you seen that one? Because oh, no. I know that was on Newish on Netflix a year or two ago. He was also uh, worked on Malcolm in the Middle. And something called Zack Stone is going to be famous, which I confess I've not heard of. But nice. looking at like those three, when I've looked on IMDb, that Zack Stone is going to be famous is a comedy. Obviously, we know that American Vandal and Malcolm in the Middle are comedic shows. So I imagine this is going to be trying to get comedy out of something that is already quite mental. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm genuinely intrigued to see how this is going to play out. Do we know who's
2: going to play that bitch, Carol Baskin? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Official I, name. Yeah, I,
0: I yeah. don't I don't know that anyone else has been announced at this stage. Oh, okay, all all we know about is obviously Nicholas is gonna be front and centre.
2: Full disclosure, the opinion of Carol Baskin is not that of cage fighting but that of Joe Exotic.
0: <laughs> 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 so yeah, that, that's a bit of nick news for the week. So I think let's move on and talk about national treasure. <laughs>
1: your accent pennsylvania dutch saxony german oh
0: <laughs> we start in the attic which is immediately where i want to stop things and say what the hell is going on <laughs> why have we got christopher Plummer playing the grandfather and then you've got um john Voigt, who is nine years younger i actually looked this up he's only nine years younger playing his son <laughs> How on earth did they think that was going to play? And the only way they tried to differentiate it, that it was supposed to be 30 years ago, is by banging a really shitty wig on John Voight. <laughs> it was terrible. And I thought, well, this has very much set us up for the rest of this
1: film, hasn't it? Because when you, when you said wig, I thought this could be a number of people. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very, very wiggy film, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Some, there was no wig whatsoever. It just looked like a wig.
0: Yeah.
1: But yeah, it's because it had been so long. I mean, I don't, I vaguely remember watching it and I could quite honestly have been quite drunk at the time. So for me, it was almost like watching two brand new films. I mean, the second one was a new film to me, um, but this one, I don't even remember the attic scene from when I first watched it. It's
0: it's forgettable though, isn't it? That the beginning, it's just such a massive exposition dump right at the top of the film to say, here, you need to know all this information but they throw it at you so fast that by the time you get to th- when they're on the boat, the Charlotte, that you've forgotten
1: everything that's just happened. It was almost like they'd, they'd put it in at the end, because no one knew what the hell was going on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's what that's what it seemed to me. I, I, I'm guessing that it wasn't, but that's how it seemed like it was just thrown together. It didn't match the pace or the lighting or anything else in the whole film. It was just like a separate thing, just tacked on.
2: Mm, I know what you mean. I mean, I, I wrote down in my notes, um, I completely thought I had the wrong film on. I thought I was watching Jumanji because it just <laughs> had to fit. I feel it had, it had the same kind of elements of boy climbs up ladder. Is the ladder going to creak? Is there going to be a step that breaks? I thought, oh, but then um, it was kind of a bit of a strange. Um, and I, I thought it was setting up more of a daddy issues kind of thing between obviously young Nick Cage and uh, and his father there. Um, and then it shoots straight into um nick cage as a cast member of e 17 <laughs> <now. laughs> um which was just hilarious to be fair and and then we're off to the races uh strange start to the film but i suppose you know it sets the scene it sets why we're there um it doesn't allow for any interpretation i guess it's like this is what we're going with enjoy it or like it and lump it
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah
0: but like you say, well, you go straight into that scene where they're heading towards the boat, where they're all—it's in the Arctic Circle, so they're obviously all dressed up in their uh, their Parker coats. And straight away, you see Sean Bean, and it's—you're the bad guy, aren't you? You know immediately <laughs> he's going to be the bad yeah. guy. It's just yeah. telegraphed straight off. Maybe it's just because he's got a British accent. I don't know what British accent, because one, <laughs> one minute he sounds like he's from Reading, the next minute he sounds like he's Jimmy Muir from when Saturday comes. It's ridiculous. But he's English, yeah. so he's got no excuse for that wondering accent. It's awful.
2: I was surprised about that, because the um, you do get those vibes very early on, don't you, that he's a rotter. Um, but the payoff for him being evil was incredibly early into the film. Uh, for me, at least. Like, it's really early on into the film that actually this guy's the bad guy. I know every film needs a villain, especially adventure films like this, but it felt really early that we found out that he was... The bad guy. It wasn't when we're three quarters of the way into the film and we're that close to a discovery and then he betrays him. It was, it was super early, and I thought that's actually felt quite refreshing in a way to yeah. you know not have that just happen and when we expect
1: it. Yeah, I liked that because it it was like it's again it's just out the way. So you can just you just mm-hmm. you you know he's got he's got the the mission at hand anyway, and now he's got an added adversary to to fight against to get there and. <laughs> The accent thing. I thought at first. I thought when he he's, when he first spoke, he. he I thought, oh, posh on being this is new. Yeah. <laughs> and then then he he went back into sharp, and then he turned into Jimmy Muir, and it, it was it was just just really really odd. But I think unlike in Goldeneye, when you don't know until la- late again, it's about halfway through the filming eh, when you when you realise what he what he's like in Goldeneye. With this, it was it must have been about a, a third of the way in. And it worked. Uh, yeah. It worked for me. Well, it wasn't even a third of the way in. It was 20,
0: 25 minutes or so into the film and we find out. And it's a two hour, 11 minute film. Yeah, I timed it because I thought it dragged. Oh. But th- that's another story and it will get to that point. But yeah, I, I think I don't know, the film is very paint by numbers, but I did like the fact that it sort of, it sets its stall out early doors and just says, look, this is what it is. Don't expect anything more. So you, I suppose you don't get your hopes up. You know it's just going to be middle of the road, I suppose, is the politest way to, to put it. I think in my notes I did put, it's almost like Indiana Jones for idiots, I think was <laughs> <laughs> how I described it. But yeah. So yeah, we're on to the the Charlotte where Sean Bean decides to to turn on um, on our hero. One thing I noticed, why, when they... Try to blow up the the Charlotte, Surely that gunpowder wouldn't still be working. It's been sat exposed to the elements of the North Pole for <laughs> what I presume is decades upon decades of time. Yet it still explodes. And then once it's exploded, and you just see uh, Nick Cage and Riley. Oh, Benjamin Franklin is Nick yeah. Cage's name. I did. I've written that down because I've got a point about that in a moment. <laughs> so yeah when Ben and Riley come crawling out of the wreckage and there's just, like, weirdly a tyre on fire. I don't know where the fuck (laughs) is a tyre come from. And there's no soot damage or anything to them. I just thought, this film
1: is going to be wild. And it just was. It really was. Well, the the gunpowder thing... I thought, well, the same thing. At first, I thought, well, how how long does residue residue of gunpowder last? Just... On clouds and stuff. and that's about what six hours after you after you fired a gun with gunpowder, it? Really, and it's gone after six hours. So this has been there for 40, 50 years. Well, and the rest—it's it, almost at like the start of um, start of Transformers. These <laughs> 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 wiki in the in the Arctic Sea. Yes, yeah. See, know, it it all it all comes back to Transformers, Andy. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now that I. I didn't click that he was going to be villainous at all until that moment. All right. Okay. So it was a nice surprise for you. Yes, yeah, so it was a nice surprise. I mean, considering I completely forgot the whole film as well. Um, it, was an, it was like, oh, no, he's, he's gone bad already.
2: I think there was a line where he says um, he's disappointed that the treasure wasn't there when Ben said it was another clue. And then you think, ah, this guy's money motivated, which means only one thing. He's a wrong one so that's when i think <laughs> yeah. we we knew at that point really um you mentioned like paint by numbers and i know it's a point that you you wanted to bring up anyway about um it doesn't allow you to get confused because it gives you all the answers to trying to like solve the clues even in a way that i as the viewer cannot follow
0: <laughs> yeah and thank you for bringing that up matt um for anyone who has watched South park You may remember when Jeff Goldblum, or someone was supposed to be Jeff Goldblum, was in an episode, and the logic leaps that he was making to get to these ideas were ridiculous.
2: Butt sex. Butt sex? Butt sex requires a lot of lubrication, right? Lubrication. Luba... Chupa... Chupacabras, the the goat killer of Mexican folklore.
0: Folklore is stories from the past that are often fictionalized fictionalized to heightened drama drama student students at colleges usually have bicycles by Bi- bin- binary it's binary code like he would go from a to b or no he wouldn't he'd go from a to z but he'd go to q and then back to b and then <laughs> w it was all over the place but he somehow always got to the end it it made no sense and as a viewer you sort of need to feel like you're in with him and at no point did you ever feel that you always felt yep. like he was Agreed. ten steps ahead, or maybe five steps behind. You were never quite sure of where you were with him, and I struggled with that for large portions of this movie.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was it. You want you want you know in any kind of treasure hunt, everyone wants to be a treasure hunter. Everybody wants to find uh, you know get through the mystery, and you want to be able to solve it as you're going along, I, I certainly did. I'd like to be able to think, ah, okay, so this is the, this is the key. This is the answer. This is the riddle. This is the anagram, anything. Um, and it's, it's told to you very quickly in a way that I would never have worked out. Almost like watching countdown and watching Rachel Riley <laughs> work it out. Cause I might as well not, but I might as well not take part. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it was incredibly forced down your throat. Just, just accept that he knows what he's talking about. It doesn't need to make any sense to you if you, don't worry about that. Just enjoy
1: the film. Mm. That's exactly how I, with me being kind of the opposite of how you see things sometimes. Um, when it was a case of, it's so mad that you've got no clue. wasn't oh, bothered. I wasn't bothered in the slightest. I thought, okay, sit back. Let's see how mad it possibly can get. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Yeah, fair. And I thought, well, because all them things, I'm pretty shit at solving these films, <laughs> any kind of film anyway. <laughs> it, like, there's, there's plot but who's going to who's the verder and all this stuff? I'm always the last one to find out, regardless of what film it is. It might it might as well be padded to two. Who knows? But <laughs> um, but with this one, it was as soon as they, they said, Oh, okay. Where's it written? Which we'll come to in a minute. I thought, oh, of course it is. Why why wouldn't it be written there?
0: Which brings us on to the next part part of the film, which is where they decide to steal the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> Because for some reason the map was on the back of the most famous piece of paper in probably the whole world. So, yeah, they have to now break into what was the name of the place they have to break into? Honestly, this film confused the crap out of me. It was all over the place. And obviously, maybe not being American, maybe that did play a part in it. But I mm, just,
3: yeah.
0: I did feel like I, I, I need to hold on to something just to know where I'm going. And no yeah, we, point did I ever have that.
1: There was a lot of things in there. But I think because of that thing, because we are English, and I had no clue what was going on. And mm. his, is that thing on display all the time? Is it in the spinny round room where it goes at <laughs> night to hide? Any, any of it could have been completely real, and I've got no idea. But you just, I just went, just went with it. I still don't know. I still don't know if it's there, if it's under bulletproof, if there's guards outside. If it, it looked like an art gallery. Is it an art gallery? Probably not. It's...
0: well what we can do apparently is go to the national museum oh no sorry the national library and they've got the plans for the whole place in there because <laughs> i would imagine that's the kind of thing that everyone should have access to
2: Just this is a, ridiculous this is, a, this is america baby and i want to know my rights i <laughs> want the rights to this, this incredibly important <laughs> building
0: but yeah so that was weird but we did get to meet diane kruger who for me was probably the best thing in the film i thought she was really good
3: mm-hmm. yeah.
0: I really enjoyed her role. She was actually a strong woman who had to her own agency that she wasn't just there. I mean, we'll get to it in a bit, but I know she does get kidnapped and forced into bits. But actually, she was a smart woman who had her own role, which doesn't always necessarily happen in these type of movies. So I, I will applaud this movie for that, if nothing else. And it might be nothing else, to be honest.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think because we've got Riley as the sidekick, um we don't need to have uh, another characters whose kind of intelligence gets insulted throughout the film because he is that kind of comedic mm. um kind of relief there where you know he's a bit i wouldn't say dim-witted but he's the he's the the young you know impressionable um character that that we can kind of have a bit of a laugh at and think you're absolutely right about her role you know she's obviously very attractive and very successful woman oh she's gorgeous um, isn't she yeah Just i mean it's, it's funny my, my wife one of the the only comments she's made when as she was watching the film with me was well this film is unrealistic not because of the heist mm. not because of anything that happened in it she'd never be with him, <laughs> she'd never be with him. <laughs> but yeah, well yeah but it's true it is true to be fair but um but yeah i um i think you're right on the on the point there about the strong female lead but, uh, your
0: wife does actually make a semi-decent argument there that I can kind of get on board with because that whole will they won't they I never bought into for one minute I found it quite upsetting at points it it wasn't a will they won't they it was a is he going to sexually assault her which he (laughs) does at the end where he just grabs her and like at no point through this film have you really built up this romance to the point where that is a realistic option so Mm. I mean the worst bit for me jump ahead a little bit, on the night where they actually steal the, the Declaration of Independence, where he goes to the gala, when he meets her in the, the main gala room, and he just eye fucks her so intensely <laughs> as he's drinking that champagne. I was like, I don't know if I can watch this anymore. Cause I just, yeah, I, I found it deeply upsetting at that point. I think it was awful.
1: I thought a bit about that part. I thought how um, very role reversal it was that the uh, the American guy was in the tux and the English guy was the, the, the one in the uh, in the scrubs in a kind of James Bond role reversal. It was a bit, actually, yeah. That's, that's a very good uh, catch, that one is. With Sean Bean being in GoldenEye again. <laughs> mm. <laughs>
2: there, there was a couple of bits about that gala scene that really, really stood out for me. Um, first of all, um, Nick Cajal Ben's reverse Saturday Night Fever suit with that <laughs> massive, <laughs> massive collar, huge collar, uh, open uh, open collar. Um I don't know about you guys, you know, uh, I, when, when I was 16, how I many years ago we're talking, I was talking 14, 15 years ago. Um, I used to get into nightclubs by making a fake ID and then, um, laminating them, not massively dissimilar to how he gets into <laughs> and, and robs the declaration of independence. If that's all it takes, I'm going to get the crown jewels because all you need to do apparently is take a photo from a massive distance away on a camera that looks like a potato and stick that picture onto a picture of somebody else's pass. I mean, it's, it's that easy, surely. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I just thought to myself, it, it just made me laugh so much.
1: Yeah. you wasn't even the right size. The <laughs> <laughs> it was a different size to the picture on the pass. I'm pretty sure he went, like, I'm pretty sure he said, like, that'll do as well. As if,
2: like, <laughs> like he's not doing... That's pretty... that's fine, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. yeah, oh, the, the technology they seem to use in part, and when we come on to discuss um, Book of Secrets, the technology was far in advance of what we got now. <laughs> like, yeah, they're zooming in, and somehow by zooming in, the picture gets 50 times better. It looks better than, like, actual human eyesight made no sense again just no (laughs) sense the whole thing so from there we get uh, so they steal the Declaration of Independence they go outside that they figure out that Sean Bean's after them they kidnap Diane Kruger go to John Voight's house where they they try to figure out the the map they figure out the map by rubbing lemon on it (laughs) Like, they have a massive argument about who should rub the lemon on it. And she's like, well, I work for the the, the interior, whoever they are. So I'm the one who knows all the science about these things. Like, you know the science, but you're using a fucking grocery store lemon. How on earth have you
1: made this argument
0: to get to this point?
1: On a piece of paper that's hundreds and hundreds of years old, that are in reality probably flaking your hands.
0: Oh, yeah, it would have destroyed it. The acid in the lemon would have destroyed it without a shadow of a doubt.
2: Well, I, I mean, you, you're missing one crucial component there, Andy mate. It's not just lemon; it's incredibly hot breath.
3: <laughs> 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 we
2: need we need more heat. So instead of I don't know, they eventually get to it. Instead of maybe a maybe a you know. A... Hair dryer, or we'll get it near the tumble dryer. No, we'll get in really close, really close, and we'll just breathe all over <laughs> it. Just like, it felt so awkward. I know they were trying to obviously um, highlight the romantic element of it and that, but it just, uh, like, my notes, all I have summed up is hot breath. <laughs> uh, like, how hot could their breath have, uh, have been?
1: I just had that whole scene of John Void being incredibly confused again. <laughs> yeah. Mm. He just, he looked like he was going to collapse. He looked that frail, <laughs> and he, he was stumbling around the place. And he was arguing with him about something, and that he doesn't believe it all. He's been burnt by the, by the whole scheme in the past when it was his it was his journey and whatever. Um, but he just looked like he, he was he just like he was in the wrong place.
0: Yeah, I mean we're led to believe that the Gates family, are generations of of puzzle solvers, they're all genius. Um, <laughs> But not for one second do I think that John Voigt wasn't just some doddering old twat just <laughs> stumbling around the place. In both films, this was as well. He just seemed to just walk places and I'll end up in the right place eventually. It's fine. Yeah, not a good look for John Voight, I didn't think, to be perfectly honest. But yeah, so they, they managed to get the, the numbers off the back of this and figured out that they needed a letter. I don't know how they figured out that they needed this one specific letter that apparently had been in the Gates family for generations upon generations and it's a very important note or whatever it was supposed to be again confused <laughs> but it was so important that it ends up in a museum but at no point did John Voigt decide to tell his son oh that letter yeah I've donated it to the museum he had to find out there after what I presume is hundreds of years or generations of the family it was such again, such a logic leap that we are just supposed to buy into. And oh yes, fine, carry on, carry on. <laughs> it
1: was. It is a. We should have put a disclaimer at the start that if you want to watch this, just to, just stop thinking about things and just just go on for the ride because there's <laughs> leaps of faith all over the place that make no sense whatsoever. And there was a thing about it, it was about this point where I thought this film just reminds me of the Uncharted games. I know that they came later, so it's about. A, we know where the influence is from, but you've got a, a main guy who's relatively youngish. You've got a, a woman who's a, in the, this case, not a reporter like, like uh, Elena is in Uncharted. You've got the old the old guy who's, who's gone through at Quarabi, who's some kind of an ass- assistant. And then in later games, you've got the young, the young assistants as well. So I thought in the Uncharted games, you take it for being a game and you expect it to be stupid. And it's based exactly off these films.
0: Yeah, I've got in my notes. It's like a really shit version of Tomb Raider. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, to be honest. Yeah. So from that point on, we then go to this museum where this this important letter is stored, where they where Riley decides to send in this little kid. Just keeps sending him back and forth. <laughs> To keep giving him four numbers at a time to try and find these letters to make a word. And then he gets all of that, and then he manages to figure it out with the very last word of it all. And then when Sean Beam rocks up and sees one word of the whole thing, he then manages to figure out the whole clue. <laughs> of course. Just, like, the stupidity astounds me at times with that movie.
1: <laughs> Why couldn't the kid memorise more than four numbers?
0: He gave him a piece of paper so he could have written
2: it fucking
1: down. <laughs> maybe, maybe he was being security conscious, just in case.
2: <laughs> maybe, it, yeah. it was. He it was a hustler. He needed more than $1 per trip, wasn't it? I think he... Yes, so, yes, you know, it was. You know why, why work for free or for $1 when you can make 5 or 6 or 7 you know what I mean? That's pretty logical.
1: <laughs> the, kid, yeah. the kid's the only one with the brain in this film. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: I mean, talking about some of you mentioned about like important historical documents um, throughout the film. I did find over over the first and second film that Cage's um, patrioticness felt awkward. And maybe that's just because we're not American. I don't know. But I I found it really cheesy and cliched and didn't add anything for me at all. Like it didn't it didn't it didn't mean anything to me. So I don't know why I should expect that it should mean anything to the characters. Do you know what I mean? I don't know how you guys felt about it. You know, it it did an okay job of being not too Americana, but it was just, it was a little, it was a little much. It was a
1: little too forced for me. I think because of the Americans that we know and (laughs) Steve, Todd, (laughs) Nate, everyone else, Blake, um, none of them seem to be like this. That I think you got to kind of, we are not. We're just not used to it. But I, I have spoken to people in the past who are full on like this.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm not saying like that they're, they're American EDL or anything like that, but they are all for the flag and it's all for one, one for all. It's, it's all America or nothing. Um, so for me, it wants so much of a out of context thing. I just didn't think he, he just brought it over very well.
2: I think I think part of what it was is a lot of the um, big crescendo isn't the word I want to use, but the the, the the big rousing elements of the film is when he's reading out certain either like lines from the Declaration of Independence or other big uh, sayings in American. And I think they said throughout the film a few times, you know, people don't talk like that anymore. Well, yeah. they don't. But it sounds fucking stupid. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just and 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 I think because of maybe you know that we're English and and we don't. We don't talk like that um, over here. It just felt a little, um, it just didn't feel natural. It didn't flow very well. But I'm sure, you know, there are, there are Americans that, you know, that are into their history and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. And they probably got a kick out of it, but it just didn't It just didn't do it for me.
0: Yeah, which, I mean, and that's a good point to mention the fact that he's named after a very important historical figure, Benjamin Franklin Gates, the surname, I don't really know who Benjamin Franklin was. I know he signed, I think he signed the declaration, but again, to the English, it doesn't really mean a, a massive amount. But I would have thought that that name would have played a role in something afterwards, but it, it didn't really. It was almost like we've called him that because, and that was the reason, just because it, it seemed quite strange, really, that they've that they, they plucked that in there. But what I've looked at some of, Uh, Cage's other roles and I do wonder if this might be something that Nick Cage likes so if you look at some of the films that he did so for example he was Stanley Goodspeed in The Rock obviously that film is about having to run through The Rock and it's a derivation of Godspeed which they mention in the film itself so it's got that sort of connotation to it in Drive Angry, he plays a character called Milton. Um, John Milton was obviously the the writer of the, the poem Paradise Lost, which is loose, very, very loosely uh, translated into this movie, into The Deals of the Devil. You've got Castor Troy. Castor and Pollux were the twins in Greek mythology. They're in Face Off. So I do wonder if Nicolas Cage has got this hard on about having names that have got some really tenuous link to the rest of the film. It just seemed. It just seemed really weird that they made such a point of making us know that he was called Benjamin Franklin and then it never played any role in the rest of the film.
1: Well, when when did everything start? When did what? Sorry. When did all this naming stuff start? Have you looked through all of them, or is it this just a select for you you found? These were a few that are off the top of my head. I haven't been through all of them. So I mean like you've got
0: Cameron, Poe, Poe obviously, that um, Conner. That might be the uh, earliest one I can find. Um, so, Connery was what 95, 94 maybe yeah, um, and that was named after a poet. There the might be earlier ones, but they were the ones that
1: sprang to my mind. So, it's it's just, too much of a coincidence to be just a coincidence then. If yeah, it's in a, so. if it, mm-hmm. if it is just a trope,
2: maybe someone listening can enlighten us on it because there's bound to be more. There's bound to be more, isn't there? The, to be fair, yeah. it seems like too much of a too much of a coincidence, like Stu says for sure. But on the topic of kind of the Americana um, side of things, it's interesting that <laughs> as English and it being the Declaration of Independence and the Civil War, maybe maybe, we're being, maybe I'm being unconsciously biased
3: about the, <laughs> uh, the
2: Americana in the film. Maybe maybe we'll get told uh, otherwise by some of our friends across the pond how some of these things are probably more important than we realise. Um, and it might actually have been portrayed really well. Um, the heist, on the other hand, not <laughs> betra- the Ocean's Eleven heist. Um, I mean, we talk about this film and it, it's it's so much easier to be funny and, and slate something than it is to be, um, say how good something is sometimes. And I actually really enjoyed the film and we'll, we'll probably get on to discuss that at the end. But um, the heist, my God, it's just, <laughs> um, you know... I, when we've got um Harvey Cartel's character, um uh where he's talking about going through and somebody's gotta go to jail and uh who's the shooter? <laughs> who's who's shooting? It just it was very it was very, it was paint by it's pain by numbers, isn't it? Incredibly mm. paint by numbers. We're assuming the heist will, will happen. We're assuming it's gonna go well. Um we assume then something's gonna go wrong. Um and it doesn't it doesn't ask a lot of questions that we have to think about, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's a popcorn film, um, but the heist, I mean, I don't know what you guys thought about it. What, what were your thoughts on it? How do you think it looked? How do you think, you know, it kind of felt to watch?
1: I thought it was It was very convenient that it, it had to go into its special cleaning room <laughs> to yeah. be touched, just for one sensor to be off, for it then to be completely dismantled. <laughs> it, into a room where you think okay why is this room not as secure as everywhere else in this whole building yes mm-hmm. <laughs> um but the, the thing that stuck out to me is how expensive is a replica po- replica poster of the declaration <laughs> 35 35 i think it was wasn't yeah, 35 dollars in 2000 when you think for you, you wouldn't get posters for that now you do that is a dear do Yeah,
0: I I agree with Stu there, it was very convenient there was a lot of um, ex machina it was all very fortunate that it went here and that this happened and only one little thing had to be out of place and the whole thing would have come crumbling down and I really struggle with films like that where it's just based upon pure dumb luck (laughs) and that's what it was for large swathes of it I felt, it was just dumb luck that got
1: them through to it and English brutality through the wall the other way (laughs) <laughs> yeah which was, again no one no one even realized was happening in the most secure one of the most secure buildings ever that so they can just hammer through and just smash things yeah. up no one heard i yeah. think but how did sean bean know
0: that the declaration was going to be in that room because normally it would go down into the vaults they they showed us that at the start didn't they that it goes down into the vaults and elsewhere yeah, yeah, yeah. but if there's if the sensors get sent off, they take it somewhere else for to check it. How did Sean Bean not? He he surely should have just assumed it would be in the vault, not up clip, in the cleaning they, room.
2: Didn't the in? didn't he steal the video feed off uh, Riley and he would have saw it was there?
0: No, because he thought they were dead when they were in the Charlotte. He didn't know they escaped the Charlotte,
2: did he? Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, of course. You're right, yeah. You're right. <laughs> it's just a massive plot hole.
2: It just doesn't make sense.
1: Don't ruin the film for me. No. Sorry, no, 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 It's fine. <laughs> it's Unless, unless there was another part of you where they were going to be in there, and then they were going to find someone to activate the sensor in the upstairs. Who knows?
0: Maybe, maybe there was an inside man. Yeah, maybe, maybe that will be the plot of uh, National National <laughs> Treasure Three. <laughs> mm. So, yeah, anyway, got a bit off track and went back a bit. So, yeah, we figured out that they had to go to the Liberty Bell next. And they figured out that the shadow had to be cast at two o'clock because it was on a, a, a some bill. But surely, even with my limited knowledge of astrophysics, <laughs> the sun isn't in the same position every day at two o'clock. <laughs> it, it would change every day how did they just happen to be there on the one day that the sun was out and that it shone on that one particular brick
3: American. again
0: just a, a logic leap that is just implausible if you think about it for more than three seconds
1: yeah that was that was the only one out of the whole thing where even with me and my silly brain just stood out as that's just stupid <laughs> it if you if you could have it said oh it's somewhere in this this brick pile or it's a vague place and you had to work something out from there that would make some kind of sense but to be that perfect on that brick yeah yeah, mm-hmm.
2: yeah. it was I, for for me it was um by that point in the film i was starting to get a little irritated at the lack of payoff in it very much felt like clue after clue after clue after clue after clue throughout the whole film till the payoff at the end um and at this point i thought to myself i was just like please get on with it please get on with it it, it felt a little to me um I, I, I like i say i enjoyed the film but it, it it could have shaved off quite a bit um for me in terms of you know we're quite happy as, as you've mentioned earlier to have these big gaping plot holes so I don't think we needed to drag it out quite as long as we did and you know when he carved that when he carved that brick out it's just um <laughs> i know you listen i know me me and andy especially we're massively into pro wrestling so suspension of disbelief isn't isn't necessarily something that we struggle with but um yeah come on let's play the game yeah. and I, I know it's it, you know i mean is <laughs> is is, is, is this is this a kids film though i mean are we thinking about it too much is this you know should are, are we thinking about it in actually we should be expecting a child
1: just to enjoy it and then enjoy it for what it is or i don't know yeah, yeah well I, I enjoy films like this from a child's mind even though i'm 36 <laughs> years old um so even regardless of the silliness i know we'll come on to liking it later but it didn't bother me one one bit it was only when i the way I do things, i mean i will think of something and I'll put a time code and then I'll look it up later rather than right now, it's all the way through a film. That's just how I always did it, but for me, I just wrote i just that was the only thing that I noticed, I thought, well, okay, fine, and then just carried on watching it. It, it didn't it affects my enjoyment of it whatsoever. It was just one mm-hmm. the thing that glaringly stood out was just plain stupid <laughs> mm. I think for me, this was the
0: point where i my interest just dipped massively at this point. Mm. it was too much. I mean, the other things you can sort of explain away, but this one just it made no sense, and I thought we're probably about 90 minutes into the film here at this point as well. And if this whole film was 90 minutes, I'd probably have enjoyed it, but the fact that it was 2 hours 10, it was, it was too long. And apparently on the director's commentary, John Turtletab did say that the original cut of the film was four hours. Oh, I found Lee. Four hours of that, could you imagine? So, I mean, there there was a lot of flab on this film that could have been cut out, and stuff like that is definitely some of it. Like Matt just said about it being asking question after question without any payoff, it felt very much like Lost. And I gave up on that after three seasons because there was no payoff, and you need payoff more than just that one at the very end. So, by this point, I really struggled for the last sort of 40-odd minutes of this movie.
2: Yeah, I, I completely get where you're coming from there. I mean, Lost for me was like an abusive partner that I keep going back to <laughs> because it, it never it never gave me what I wanted, but I couldn't. I was I was I'd committed to it. I'd committed for better or worse, but I know exactly what you mean. Um, mm. It was just uh, don't get me wrong. If it was a ninety-minute film, like you said, I think you'd have you'd have forgiven some of the more um, some of the more far-fetched elements because you, you get your ending and, and so be it. But you know, it's one of those enjoyed it. You know, enjoyed it nonetheless.
0: Mm, yeah. So from that point we end up going, Oh, he ends up getting caught by the police uh, and then they somehow decide, Oh yeah, it's fine. We'll just let you go and, and sort this out. Don't know how that works, but <laughs> yeah, that, that's another thing. But uh, so then we go into the catacombs where they get left by Sean Bean only to find out that really the treasure was there all along. That scene in the catacombs where they were on the the pulleys, the pulley elevators, that went on far too long for for my enjoyment. I fell asleep during that scene. I had to rewind <laughs> it twice. I had to do it twice because I fell asleep both times. It was just it dragged. I wanted something a bit punchier, especially as we knew the ball was rolling at this point and we get into the end, and it just didn't happen. It was a bit of a wet fart really for me, and
1: yeah, it was didn't. A bit- uh, they spent the money on the effects and the um, and the stunts and stuff, and they had to put it all in. That's that's what that's it. Yeah. That the the poly scene and in the second one. That's that the equivalent scene was much better. Yeah. It was, it was again straight, straight, straight off. Mm. But th- it did. It was like, oh, you fell in that one. Oh, okay, we'll get up. Oh, you fell down again. Someone else has fell off. And it, it did kind of. We've built it, so we'll build it, so we'll damn use it. And that, that's what, and they just put it all in. But yeah, it, it could have lasted four minutes, that whole thing.
2: It felt like 40. <laughs> <laughs> all I know, I was put off by the uh, the constant use of the word, well, status in that case, but status quo, because <laughs> all I could think of was rocking all over the world, but there we go.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> the whole way through. You you mentioned, obviously, the ball's rolling, and we get to the uh, the final scene. Um, sorry if I stole your thunder there, Andy, but one, one of the massive, one of the big plus points I thought the actual payoff and reveal of the, the treasure was excellent I really thought it was a really nice shot I think it looked excellent I really like one, one at the very start of the film, when they did the kind of um, montage of the different civilizations collecting the treasure I actually really liked mm. that I thought it was a, it was a nice touch and then seeing the different um, treasures of different time periods I thought it was a nice touch and uh, I actually thought that was one of the better elements of the film certainly from like a cinematography point of view and kind of the content of it I, I really, really enjoyed it look.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I thought that was, yeah, like you said, the reveal was very good. The way the flame sort of rolled out and you thought, oh, is that it? And then you realise, oh, shit, it's this huge cavern. Yeah, I, I thought that was superb. Again, that's something I would praise the film for. But going back just a minute before that, you know, when Sean Bean left them to, to die, effectively, or so he thought, mm-hmm. when they came up with that random riddle for him, we have seen throughout this film that Sean Bean is a genius, why would he just believe any old crap that John Voight of all people <laughs> tells him? Someone who we've kind of established at this point is just a bit of a moron uh, yeah,
1: that bugged me as well maybe, maybe just because it it sounded as ludicrous as the rest of the film
0: yeah, maybe
1: <laughs> and you think, okay yeah. and they picked the Boston being oh yeah the Tea Party and all the English and all that kind of stuff being old and that would make some kind of logical sense if you, if there was a city to pick, you'd say Boston, so maybe that's why he, he believed it, yeah. And maybe well, that's probably it at that point. He was balancing on a wooden winch as well, so being, tol- being told <laughs> a, a lot of lies by a, a, a stuttering, dodgering old man, uh, well, why not?
0: Yeah, maybe he just thought, fuck it, I want to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so, from that point, obviously, they find the treasure, they manage to escape the catacombs, um, they end up back in police custody and even though they'd still stole the artefact, the police decide it's okay, you can go, we know you stole it for a good reason, I don't think that's how the law actually works <laughs> I think if you stole something you generally go to jail for it
1: Someone's unless... got to go to jail Yeah, exactly, yeah. unless you get a pass if it, if it involves essential fines in the, <laughs> that come from it <laughs> But that was another thing, where did that? Where did the um, the poster holder come from? That he just he just seemed to appear. Yeah. He, there's no one that she didn't have that hidden in a dress. He didn't have it hidden in his waistcoat or his jacket. So it, it, for for one minute it was just it was a stuffed a bit of 200 300 year old paper stuffed in his uh, inside his jacket. And then next thing oh yeah he's unless he go it from the gift shop. Maybe that, that's why it cost thirty five dollars. So Is he got a tube holder <laughs> as well?
0: <laughs> maybe.
1: That's
0: true. That's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, National Treasure. So, couple of questions to answer on National Treasure. Question one: Matt, did you enjoy this film?
2: Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed the film. Um, I very much tried to view it in, at first, at least, as I enjoy it for what it is, Disney film. Uh, not think too much into it. Then, naturally, what I do kicked in and i started to pick holes at it and then started to seek some of the more ludicrous things that were going on but you know what as a popcorn film i quite enjoyed it i gave it a seven out of ten which is more or less where imdb has it um yeah i enjoyed it would i watch it again in a hurry probably not but for what it was it certainly passed two hours i've certainly spent worse two hours watching films that's fair
1: Stu. Did you enjoy this film? <laughs> there's a, there's that look, then where you know what the answer is going. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, again, because I couldn't really reme- remember it that well, so I was watching it again for practically the first time, and when I realised, okay, so <laughs> I thought I, I didn't know it was a Disney film; I had no idea. Um, but as soon as the silliness started, I thought, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna concentrate too much on this. I'm just gonna enjoy the ride, and I thoroughly enjoyed the ride. Yeah, it's ridiculous and silly and nothing makes sense. But I think it knows that it is. Um, and yeah, I think 7, seven and a half, seven point five. 7.5. It's probably a fair, fair score and I'd probably give it the same thing. And talking about it now, even though I only watched it last week, I would go back and watch it again. Because I did, I did enjoy it.
0: That's fair. My answer to the question would probably be no. <laughs> <laughs> Shock, I know. Shock horror. Yeah, for me. Once we got to the end of it, I realised that it made the cardinal scene of, I have no idea why we were hunting for treasure. (laughs) After all of that, after all of that, why were we doing that? And like For a film that's that long, it needs to be a lot. It needs to be a bit more in-depth. It needs to be a bit more believable. If it had been a 90-minute romp, I could have forgiven pretty much all of the dumb crap that happened in it. But because it was so long, it needed to have a little bit, a little bit more of a, an air of legitimacy that it didn't have. I'd give it a four. The, the, the film was cack, but I thought that we'll come on to Nick in a minute. But I thought Dan Kruger was good. I thought that uh, the, the chap who played Riley, I can't remember his real name. Um, I thought he was quite amusing in it. He, he was dumb, but he was funny. I did laugh at bits with John' Voight, even though he was terrible. So it's not a, like a, a one, but it's no, it's no more than a four for me. So the second question we ask for every film, based on this film and this film alone, is Nick Cage good or bad? Stu, do you want to start us on that?
1: I was surprised how bad he is in this, and I didn't expect that, and. Maybe course I was comparing it to other things like I don't know, like the Uncharted games like Team Raider, like you said, and things like Duel um, of the Nile, <laughs> mm-hmm. adventure films of the past. But he just didn't seem to. I know he was supposed to be in a, a treasure hunter, and you normally think treasure hunters are got a bit of charisma about them. He just seemed like it was found in for me, and that was the amazingly the bad thing about it. That I thought he was bad in this.
0: Mm.
1: Matt, good or bad? Not off.
2: Not off to a good start for Nicholas, but it's a no for me. Unfortunately, there were some elements that I enjoyed, and like some of the you know things that we would probably associate with Nick Cage, some of the more quirky elements um, that that do come through. But um, for me, it was just yeah, like uh, like Stu said, like a bit of a I want my treasure hunters to be dark, brooding. Um, let's find out a little bit more about them. What's their dark secret? Um, what's motivating them? And I just didn't really get that. It was a bit of a, felt like more of a, of a middle-aged, midlife crisis than a treasure hunter. <laughs> and that's how we just portrayed for him in, yeah.
1: in his performance. But so for this one, unfortunately, it's a no. You know what? I was thinking about exactly what we just said. That if you think of what we said last week about the uh, Scorpion King, if yeah. Brendan Fraser had been in this film, in that same role he would have been ten times better than Nicolas Cage was yeah I'd agree with that
2: yeah I'd agree with that mate it's a very good observation
1: I mean I
0: my answer to the question it's no but I did think he made some interesting character choices he was very very creepy towards Diane Kruger (laughs) I'm not saying that's a good thing by any stretch of the imagination but it's a it's a character choice that I don't think many actors would have made It was it's very unique to Nick Cage to do something you wouldn't expect, but a lot of the rest of the film, and I think it was a problem with the film as much as it was with Nick Cage, is that it just sort of happened and he was there. I
2: agree. I agree with you.
0: Right, so that was National Treasure, and we're gonna talk about National Treasure Book of Secrets next.
1: Hello. Been drinking, have we? Just a nip. Just pop down to the pub for a pint. Bit of all right. Going to arrest the man for that. Going to detain a blighter for enjoying his
0: whiskey. Okay, so once again, we start off with a massive exposition dump at the start of uh, Book of Secrets. Another sort of just 20 minutes of, here's all the information you're going to need for the next two hours of your life. <laughs> It was very wibble-wobble-bibble-bobble is what I've written down here because it was just a lot of noise. The one (laughs) thing I did like about it is that it was show and not tell. It was better than in the first (laughs) film where it was just Christopher Plummer talking at you. At least they set the scene and gave you a bit of an idea of what was going on. So I did like that. I thought that was a good start to the film.
2: Yeah, I'd agree. I um, I liked, in a strange way, how I disliked at the start of the first film, how we're immediately into the, into the, the plot of the film. We're immediately at the go. There's not a lot of preamble and we, and we straight away into it. Um, And whilst I still don't really understand the slurring of the Gates name and, and all all of that element to it, I I think it was a good start to kick us off. We already were warmed up because we know, how this is going to work from the previous film, but I thought it was a decent start, and I, I enjoyed like show you know show not tell was pretty much spot on with how to describe it.
1: Yeah, we, I think you should pretty much summed it up. But how it's it seemed to me like you could have well, I presume some people some main maniacs will do this and just watch them back to back, and you could watch it back to back and it'll be absolutely fine. And no, it, it wouldn't. It, <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> but no, it was just. It was just back in the rhythm. It was back in the rhythm, and it was like, oh, you've never been away. And how many years was there between the films? Three. It was 2004 and 2007. Yeah, so for a three-year gap when you could think, okay, it was the period that they were together, and we'll come to that in a minute, but the period that they've been as a couple, you could have watched that a year later and think, okay, fine, back in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it it very much doesn't miss
0: a beat, does it?
1: It it seems... I think it, it, the thing with the whole thing, thing, for me, it was a lot more polished.
0: Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. So from the exposition dump, we then go to a, what I presume is a lecture of some sort, and we see Ed Harris. And immediately, much like in the first film, you know, <laughs> you're going to be the bad guy, aren't you? Because it's Ed Harris, and he's always the bad guy
2: well we we will get onto this later on but i think it does a really good job with its villains this um the two films um i know we'll talk about it a little but i you know i think he's believable as a bad guy he's um he's real can't Stoic isn't the right word I want to use, but his cold and calculated way of speaking and his um, his motives, you know, uh, when he talks about his great granddaddy and his, 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 his uh, uh, you know, from the deep south elements there. Um, I think it, he's quite a convincing bad guy. Um, and what they do with him later on into the film, I really, really enjoyed. Uh, but you do, you do know straight away. Well, well Stu, you tell me. Do you know? He's a wrong gun, is he a rotter to you? Yeah.
1: Well, he, he was lurking at the back of the uh, lecture theatre in the dark on his own, so I thought that this can't be the behaviour of someone who's uh, of sane mind.
2: Well, that's um, my entire film studies degree, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so.
1: a, a lot of mine, especially for the, um, some, of the, some of the worst films that we were subjected to with that kind of thing. I had a Game Boy Advance at the time, and it got confiscated. Hanging, can you get things confiscated at uni where you you, chew, you <laughs> pay to be there? <laughs> if you're not, not going to pay attention, then you can't pay attention to your machine. Like I said, playing uh, X versus Sever, but that's, that's a different story altogether. Um, but yeah, he's. I thought, because of how the first film went, I just presumed that he was going to be the bad one. More than... And it was the same old thing. Every single time I see him, I think, was he the guy who was in RoboCop 3? And it never is, because that, that guy's never been seen again. <laughs> but it's, all, it's like an automatic thing with Ed, Ed, Ed Even in Westworld, when I saw him at first in Westworld, I thought, was he RoboCop 3? No, he
2: wasn't. <laughs> he, he was excellent in Westworld, to be fair. I think yeah. I that's where my um, my high praise was uh, was from Westworld, to be fair. But he plays the villain in
0: Con Air as well.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: A- another Nick Cage film I cannot wait for us to get to. Oh, yes. He's also the villain in uh, History of Violence good movie well worth your time and he's in mother if i remember correctly the um darren aronofsky film and okay. he, he plays a bit of a rungan in that so he's just got the history of being a bit of a shit but he's <laughs> absolutely brilliant at it it's, it's his niche almost yeah you do believe him whenever you see him do something heinous so i like, um, with him he's great
1: he's like glenn shower. Being a military, uh, military man in every film that he's in, yeah. Glen Morshia of uh, Twenty Four and Transformers fame, yeah. For, he's just uh, got
0: that face that he's just automatically. Oh yeah, you're in the military. <laughs> for,
2: for anybody on a Transformers count, that's three. The classic three. <laughs> has, uh, gone off
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, from this point we find out that apparently Ben Gates is great, great. His great-great-granddaddy was uh, apparently involved in the Lincoln assassination. We know that he wasn't because we saw the exposition dump at the beginning. I personally would have liked to have maybe not had that, maybe have just thought he could have been a bad guy, Yeah. rather than just tell us outright, he's not, and he's going to prove it. I'd rather have had that air of mystery to it.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's fair. That's, a- that's the whole Disney thing, though. Let's just get it out of the way that he is good and he is bad.
0: Yeah, and that's a fair point. It's um, very binary, it's, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. They didn't want to leave anything to chance, almost.
1: Yeah, it's, it's no usual suspects.
0: <laughs> no, definitely not. But we go from that scene to one of my favourite scenes in the film, where Riley's doing his book signing, and then those those stunning Chicago... Was he in Chicago? I can't remember. But those stunning women come up and ask him, oh, aren't you Ben Gates, the person who found that <laughs> treasure?" Like, seriously, can anybody name me a famous treasure hunter? Like, from any in point in history, like, <laughs> treasure hunters aren't that famous.
1: Annika
0: no. Rice? No. <laughs> Annika <laughs> Rice, yeah. <laughs> That's a very niche comment. Um, but they're just not that famous, but apparently every hot woman in America knows who this famous, uh, famous treasure hunter is. So that really tickled me, and then... When he gets his car towed away and you just see him chase after it. That was that was one of my favourite scenes in this film because it was just insane.
1: He was he was weird without a beard though. I will I will say that. He did look like a child, didn't he? So it, at first I thought, is it the same guy? Yeah,
0: same, even though I'd only seen the film like twenty four hours earlier. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, so, the, the, I've never seen, have you ever been to one of them events though where people, book signings? Uh, yeah, often it was like football and the odds, um, like comic cons and stuff,
0: where I've met people.
1: Yeah, I mean, in our in our world of things like this, you you expect it. But saying about treasure hunters, there's bound to be people who that's their thing.
0: Where... yeah, but these Did were you... just women passing by who just happened
1: to be in a bookstore. They oh, weren't were they? queuing to meet him. Or were they playing it cool though? Maybe. So that's what you got to think. You got to think of, to think of <laughs> all these people who go to the caravan show at the NEC. <laughs> they pretend that they just turn up there but in fact they look forward to it all year round but some of them are hot as well
0: <laughs> that's quite the comment there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's
2: the soundbite. <laughs> <bars. laughs>
0: <laughs> so from the book signing we find out that Ben and Abby have split up and he doesn't understand why they've split up he then breaks into her house <laughs> That might be a bit of a clue. Plus, all the creepy shit he did in the first film anyway was a little bit wrong. So, yeah, he breaks into the house to get these letters. Obviously, she comes back. Ah, oh, yeah, so they break in. They get these letters and then figure out, yes, we need to get to France now. Don't know how they made that logically, but again, it was more of the Jeff Goldblum in South Park stuff that they just decided, oh, yeah, France is where we need to be to see the Statue of Liberty. Whilst then, they've got the uh, the drone which has also got one of those magic cameras where it zooms in and gets super clear, even though it's like 100 yards away from the thing. Uh, uh, uh. Again, technology, just it, it screams that it's just not quite working like it should be for me at this point.
2: Could have got it off Wish. <laughs> might, have been a, might have been, you know, and bowl clowns, isn't it?
1: That's very true. Um, and the, uh, the very questionable French accents of the uh, the French police as well.
0: Yeah, I, I was trying to figure out, like, because the one of them looked like... I've seen him before. He looked like Buster Bluth, if you've ever watched uh, Arrested... Yes, Adele. yes! I, I don't, I don't oh know if God. he was him, but he did yeah, look a yeah. lot like him.
2: Yeah, you're right.
0: But yeah, that, that accent was not French.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: not.
1: Mm. So yeah, that, that, oh, Sorry, Stuart, carry so on. Did you know that there was another Statue of Liberty? Yeah, it's... yeah,
0: oh, Yeah. I did. yeah. I've never seen it or anything, but I have heard that there is. Because I think the one in America is from France. And yeah, that, sister is still in France.
1: Yeah, obviously that one was made in France. But I mean, I've never seen that other one, ever, in anything. I've, I've
0: never seen it in anything. I just, I've heard the story more so than actually seen anything about it.
1: I, I just thought, I thought it was a prototype that was about like like man size. I thought it was just in a park somewhere, but not, <laughs> not like that one. Oh no, a giant, yeah. And that's why they needed the super drone to get it. Exactly. Isn't that a nice history lesson?
0: Mm. So, yeah, they they get the message off there and then immediately realise, oh, no, we need to be now in England. And then a few seconds later, they're at Buckingham Palace. With a probably the first time that we've seen proper crazy Cage is when he's in Buckingham Palace. This is the first time that you see Cage in his natural habitat of just being off the wall mental. That is one of my again another one of the best bits of this film is where he just loses his shit with the uh, the quote of bangers and mash, bubbles and squeak, (laughs) (laughs) smoke steel pipe, haggis.
2: Yes. Yeah, loved it. It Was was that the outburst that we needed? Was it improv? I wonder if I don't know. Do you think it was improv? Do you reckon it's do you reckon he would have been able to come out with these? Uh, English or British uh, things off the top of his head. I don't know. Is he, is he known as an ad-libber?
1: It, it just seems it just seemed really, really random to just how it came out. I thought, oh, that's actually really, really good acting or it is improv. I don't know. Yeah, it's,
0: it's probably the best bit of acting he has actually done in the, the two films for me. I thought he was superb. Just this, you actually believed he was unhinged at this moment. And I know he was putting it on because of he was supposed to put on a show for it I, i'm not sure if it would have been in the script or not but i wouldn't be surprised if he was given a bit of free reign because he is nicholas cage after all and if you want someone to be a bit crazy who better
2: <laughs> yeah i um i thought that that was what especially because i wonder we were doing this for this podcast that was what i was craving that little bit of outburst I was I was really wanting that in the first film that never really came and then when it came in this film I thought right we're off to the races now this is the Nick Cage I want to see this is the um the lunatic to to, you know to to steal a quote from the lunatic fringe that we're you know we're expecting here um and I thought it came off really well really And and you're right Stu and I think it came off so natural it felt real it felt It's just come completely from um, out of the blue. It might either be an ad lib or or just kind of going with the flow. No, I think it went really well.
0: Uh, From this part, we we find out that Harvey Keitel has been brought back into the film for some reason. He doesn't (laughs) really do much. He he barely leaves his desk for pretty much the majority of the film. But he is back. Uh, And I have a quote here from, uh, not an exact quote, but he did say about uh, Ed Harris's character. He claims that he's had these papers for 140 years. Why is he only now bringing them forward? And I thought, yeah, that's exactly it. You have ruined the rest of this film because <laughs> why has he done that? He makes no, There's no plausible reason for it to be now. Why wasn't it 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever? He, mm. Yeah, it's stupid. So, yeah, I thought Harvey Keitel, you're on my team, mate. I'll get
1: you. Harvey Keitel's almost always great anyway, regardless of where he is. Yeah, he's good
0: in a, a film uh, that was remade with a Nick Cage film. He's good in um, Bad Lieutenant.
2: <clears throat> yes, I'm very much looking forward yeah. to uh, to doing that. A yeah. slight sidebar, I can't be the only one here that thought to myself, I'd love to take a dump at Buckingham Palace
3: <laughs> <laughs> when,
2: they, when they went to the toilets." Yeah. To god That's, that's got to be on the bucket list, doesn't it? I mean, who wouldn't want you know, to? Literally. That's, well, yeah, I mean, you, yeah. You, you've got that chance, you take it, mate. One hundred percent.
0: How did Riley get all of that Apple gear in? Oh, oh, there was just shitloads of adverts for Apple all the way throughout this. That needs to be mentioned. That was egregious. Uh, but yeah, how did he manage to sneak all of that crap into Buckingham Palace?
1: Maybe it's in the magic jackets, like the uh, the uh, decoration <laughs> holder from the first one. That's just all tin foiled suits that he's wearing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: But yeah, so they get arrested in Buckingham Palace and immediately escape. It's like the easiest place in the world to escape from. <laughs> so it's good to know that the Queen's safe and everything,
2: isn't it? Yeah. Well, we've, it's, it's easy to break in and out, Allah, Dads for Justice, about, I read a years ago when he put uh, <laughs> the guy. Yeah. When he
0: scaled the building.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so obviously they
0: go, they crack the code that's in some. I can't even remember the name of that the the bureau, the desk that they were getting it from. They find a slab of the
2: resolute,
0: the resolute, the resolute. Yeah. Uh, Then there's a car chase through London, and I've just got written down here. Lol. (laughs) Like, have you ever been to London? There is no fucking (laughs) way on earth you were going to have any car chases. You would struggle to have a foot chase through London. It is that crowded. You're not going to have a car chase.
1: Well, that's what I had. I had the car chase written down as well, just for. Amazingly how empty it was, uh, but saying that it was quite well done for for a car chase in a yeah. very, very small space. And the the streets they had to work with, um, which they could have obviously chose better streets than them, um, which they're not around Buckingham Bays, Who so if anyone's been there. Um, but I thought it was not bad, the whole car chase scene. It, it just, did look good. Again, leap of faith that this isn't actual London. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we go through there, and then all of a sudden, yep, Helen Mirren. I pleased with that. Shame about the accent;
2: it was a bit. Yeah, weird. that 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 was um, that was disappointing for me. Really, I was I was hoping. Well, I mean, she wouldn't she wouldn't have been British, which is fine, but um, it it was a sticking point for me throughout the whole thing. I was like, please, Helen, be be normal, Helen Mirren, please. It just um, it was a bit. It took, took it away from me, but it's nice, you know, it's, it, it was a, a name that I probably wasn't expecting to see, you know, so
1: it's one of those. But I think with that kind of thing, it is because we know, we know her accent, what her actual accent is so well, that yeah. any time it's done, it's something different, it takes you out of it straight away. Maybe. Well, it's not for me,
0: it was just a, a generic American. It wasn't like, oh, that's New York or that's Bostonian. It It was just quote-unquote American
2: yeah it's funny that you say that because um last week we talked about um peg and I get really put off when he's not in a British accent like well his natural accent uh it, it really takes away for Simon Pegg when he's when he's in uh, you know either in American accents or anything else like it accents for me when it comes to when when they're not usual or what I'm used to really threw me off I, don't know, I know, obviously, you're probably a, bit, a much bigger fan than I am, Andy, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one for me.
0: Yeah, I, I can excuse Simon Pegg for anything, to be honest. He's <laughs> he's always great in everything. But, yeah, it, it, it was a bit jarring coming from, a, from from our Helen. just doesn't sound right, does it? It's a
2: bit weird. He's a British institution. Keep it that way.
0: Well, she's the fucking queen, for crying out loud. She deserves <laughs> better. <laughs> she's, <laughs> she's a parent. I've sure read that she was supposed to be meeting the Queen, um, but she couldn't do it because she was filming National Treasure Book of Secrets.
1: <laughs> what, what an excuse.
0: So from there, they then figure out that they need to go to the other desk, which is in the White House. So again, a few seconds later, we're off to, uh, to the White House in Washington. That kid at the White House who went up to, to Ben, who was mouthing off about his granddad killing Abraham Lincoln. I would have kicked that kid in the balls he was an (laughs) absolute little horror
2: yeah he was
0: I would not have put up with that shit if I was uh, Ben Gates
2: I think that the like the exchange though between um, well Nick Cage as he portrayed it was actually quite entertaining Um, yeah yeah, I I actually thought it was a nice touch in the way that uh, Nick or or Ben Gates is so passionate about what he does that he'll argue with a little kid about it and I Mm -hmm. thought that was actually a bit of character development that I didn't expect. I thought it was quite quite funny and entertaining and another side of the slightly unhinged version of Ben Gates in this film that we didn't see in the first one. Um, so I actually enjoyed I thought it was quite... I'm glad you mentioned that because I thought it was quite a good um, like, a little exchange.
1: You'd imagine people who are like that will argue their point, about their point, against absolutely anyone, regardless of how old they are or... Yeah. Anything else that if they know they're right, they will say they're right. <laughs>
0: yeah. The next note I've got after kicking the kid in the balls. Um, we were an hour into this film, halfway through, and finally we get to the fucking point of it all. <laughs> they broke into the Oval Office. They managed to find out that the slab of wood that they needed wasn't there. And what was in its place was the seal of the Book of Secrets which is a book that the presidents would write down the secrets of the nation for the next president, for the next guy, for the next guy. My first thought was, I can just imagine what Donald Trump will be leaving for the (laughs) next (laughs) guy. The next thing I've got is, why is Harvey Keitel in this movie? (laughs) Again? Again, just, I've I've got it like three times throughout my notes. I just don't understand why he's here. That couldn't just have been another generic cop. Such a waste of such a talented actor, I thought. that
2: mm. one.
0: But then again, I'll say the same about Helen Mirren. Such a waste of such a talent. So then they go on to kidnap the president. And for cool. some reason, the, the president doesn't say to him, oh, don't worry about it. I'll just tell him <clears throat> the door locked behind us. There won't be a problem. You crack on and do what you need to do. He tells him, well, you've got to do it. because Otherwise, you're going to be in deep shit.
1: Like you're the president, you can just tell them leave him. It's fine. Yeah, or just pardon him. That that was the only bit in in this one where I thought that's just stupid. And the, the I think that that should be a thing there. That, that's just stupid moment of these films where as soon as it did stand behind him, and you think, okay, explain yourself. Yeah, and he actually tells him, and then he tells him where to go and get the book from. You think, okay, so he's got to pardon him now. Yeah, uh, and when you. You suddenly f- they come out of a rusty gate that's always been there that's about- amazingly never been discovered before. Um, it, that gate almost seemed like, you know, remember the um, the '66 Batman series? Yeah. Where the uh, the Batcave was just hidden under some bush. Yeah. And, and no one <laughs> seems to realize it was there. <laughs> that's what that gate seemed like to me. Where it, it it was rusted for effect, but it was just under a bush, which you could have just lifted up and just walked through at any time. Another yeah. leap of faith. But oh, well,
0: yeah. Again, the next note I've got, why is Harvey Keitel in this movie?
1: <laughs>
0: just a pure payday. That's the only reason he could have done it, surely. So we go from there. We go and try and find the book in the library and then on to Mount Rushmore. I'm sort of racing through it a little bit. But to be honest, not a lot really happens in these scenes. It's just yeah. sort of boom, 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 onto the next, onto the next. But it somehow still manages to drag a little bit. It's still a two-hour film that we seem to get a lot of just pap happening in between.
2: Mm, I, I know what you say. I think I, I had the benefit of watch, watching this over two parts, over like uh, over two evenings. So, what my one major complaint of the first film was, it very much felt clue after clue after clue after clue. Um, the bam, 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 thank you, ma'am, element of this was a bit more forgiving for me um like we we okay we've done this bang we we're aware it didn't it didn't drag as much it might it had its massive questionable plot holes and it had its things like that but it 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 flowed for me a little better um than the first um when we get to uh you know mount rushmore after the um after the library uh yeah again it's 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 painted by numbers it, it's very much uh you're, going to, you're not. we're not going to give you the chance to figure it out. You're going to be told and we're just going to go with it. But it, it flowed a little better for me than the first one.
1: And there was bits in this one as well, when you, you get to Mount Rushmore and you get the eagle in the rock. I thought that was actually really clever. Mm. I didn't expect that at all. That did look quite
0: good. I like that little um the way they'd got it hidden, but it was hidden in plain sight sort of thing. Mm. I did think for a minute, has it never rained at Mount rushmore before. <laughs> <laughs> that was clever without sort of insulting our intelligence we never sort of yeah. made to feel stupid for not getting that leap but i did matter. i allowed that to sort. i allowed my suspension of disbelief to go a little bit with that so yeah so we're inside mount rushmore now and this similar to the first film is where i started to lose it a little bit it slowed down too much here like the scene where they were on the levees in the, uh, the the elevators in the first film nothing much really happened but they still managed to drag it out for a day and a half
1: I thought this one was better from that point of view especially with it, when they go onto the, um, onto the balance board I thought that was really good, I thought that was really well done mm. um, but again, when the, there was no need to cut back to uh, doddering old John Voigt again that <laughs> That could have been okay. Yeah, they're still they're still trying to find a way out. Cut back again, straight off. But it, it, it seems to just linger on them too, for no reason. We haven't even mentioned that they were supposed to have been a couple. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> it was
0: kind of irrelevant to the rest of the film, though. It just yeah, it, it just was, was wasn't
1: uh, it? They hated each other that much for that amount for nearly twenty odd years or whatever it was that they couldn't stand to be in the same room. And then again, that was the ro- the budding romance of this film, like. <laughs> but it was the, less creepy than Nick Cage and, and, and now in the first one. Well, it depends on your, uh, your yeah, true. People. <laughs>
2: <True>. <laughs> I tell you, I tell you something though, in, in that scene that you mentioned with the, um, the balance board, whether they meant to or not, my ass absolutely fell out of my hands <laughs> when, um, when the, when the ladder broke. Cause I like, and it, the thing is, you know, it's coming. It's a proper cliche, but like, I don't but know why it happened
0: why. in the first film.
2: Well, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> But maybe it's a fear of heights. But Maybe it's, you know what I think it is? One of the scariest films I've ever seen was The Descent. Oh, um, yes.
3: and, okay.
2: yeah. and maybe there's just an element of that. In it, I don't know. But my, my heart really went through my chest. And it's a Disney film. What the hell's going on? Well, <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't feel this way. Ridiculous.
0: One thing I did think when they were on that balance board and that they decided to roll off that huge golden statue, I thought that wouldn't just roll down it. That would hit the balance board and tip it up, so yeah. Nick Cage would immediately be fucked. But no, obviously because it's Disney, it worked perfectly and it rolled down, and he was able to run up as it was tipping up the wrong way. I, I, we I did think that like was a, really
2: well done. I thought we were going for a total wipeout; they were going to be ejected, <laughs> like like um, on the other side. But suddenly, yeah. didn't go that way.
1: Maybe that statue was hollow, and that's why it was hidden in a cave. That it, it was an, it was a knockoff. <laughs> again, a, a wish a from wish. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
0: from this point, we then end up again in that massive cavernous room. They do again exactly the same as they did in the first film where they light up the walkway, except the walkway on here, this one is like two metres long. And there's natural light coming into the cavern, so they didn't need to light it up at mm-hmm. all. That was just weird. It, it looked so strange when they did that. But I think that comes to the point that I was going to make about how, actually, this film was almost beat for beat, the same as the first film. You had the the... exposition dump, you had the bad guy show his true colours early doors, you had a few puzzles to get through, they eventually end up where they need to be. You had the kid. Yeah, everything was just beat for beat, that's the same as the first film.
1: But that's not necessarily a bad thing, though. I mean, you like force awakens is the same as a new hope true pretty much i mean i know they're not direct sequels obviously but when you look at other, there's a lot of sequels that are beat for beat but i enjoy. it was just enough diff, enough of a difference for me to just not for it not to be obvious if you know what i mean um whereas you think okay this is the structure of these national treasure films and if there was a third and fourth it probably been exactly the same um but I just took it as a structure rather than just a reimagining. It, it was an issue yeah. for me.
2: Yeah, I think what they did with Ed Harris's character, not necessarily a redemption because he's nowhere near as much as a shit house as Sean Bean's character was. I think that was a nice touch. I didn't I didn't see that coming, really. He's more interested in his family's legacy and preserving that than you know, himself. I thought that was a really um, refreshing end to, to his character. I thought, I didn't see that coming. That was something that I thought was unusual and just kind of different to the just, we've overcome the villain, the villain gets arrested. We never see them again.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. I think Ed Harris was the, the superstar in this film. Yeah. I thought he was the most interesting character. I don't fully understand quite why they cared about Clearing his grandfather's name, or how it really ties into mm. how getting that gold disproves that his grandfather wasn't a wrong, and it, it was a bit of a confusing ending, it personally. Was, yeah. I, I, but I did like the redemption of Ed Harris, I thought that was well done. It, it was a tiny bit crystal skull at the end,
3: <laughs> yeah, it was. yeah,
0: but yeah, so they find the city of gold, and all is well with the world at the end of it, so. That was National Treasure Book of Secrets. So the two questions we ask again. Did you
1: enjoy this film? Stu? Yeah, I enjoyed it more than the first. I thought everything was tighter. Everything was, the characters were better. It just seemed like the first one, again, it's weird how these things are linked to Uncharted. But the first one wasn't, was a decent game. The second one was much, much better. This, The second one for me was a much, much better film than the first. Even though it's in the same universe, and it is like you said, beat mm. almost beat for beat in its kind of structure, whatever. But I, I really like I like this one more. Um, but again, it's not obviously not a great film. It's an entertaining film. Mm. Um, you wouldn't watch this and write a three thousand word dissertation on. But again, if you want to watch a, a nice fun family film, watch this. It's fun. Um Probably. If I give the first one a seven, this is a seven point five. So it was nice. it was enjoyable for me. I liked it. Cool, Matt. What are you
2: saying? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I I echo majority of that it felt like it was more organised and it wasn't um, as much of a let's throw shit on a wall and see if it sticks. Um, it, I enjoyed it. I don't think it quite hit. Um, <laughs> the heights makes it sound like the first one was a masterpiece, but I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, um, whenever we go cross continent cross, uh, you know, from one location to the other location, to the other location, it always feels like it's more uh, luxury, um, and self indulgence mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, it was a bit, I mean, there was one, we didn't mention it really when we're talking about it. like when when we're about the puzzles and stuff like that. The desk and the sequence of them cutting to the locks, I actually got, found that really satisfying. I th- I yeah, really enjoyed nice. that. Um, it just it just looked visually it looked really nice. Yeah, I enjoyed the film. Um, again, wouldn't rush to watch it again. Um, it's very much a Sunday afternoon. I've had my Sunday dinner. I need something to mong out too. Felt like one of those films. but yeah, I enjoyed. I, yeah. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I
0: enjoyed it more than the first one. there were elements of so bad it's good in Mm parts and then there were just elements of actually this is all right yep ed harris very much saved the day for it i think everyone else was just kind of there whereas with him you felt like he's actually put a bit of effort into his character and he's tried to develop something Mm -hmm. so like don't get me wrong i probably won't watch it ever again (laughs) but if it was on and there was nothing else i wouldn't necessarily turn it over
2: yeah Yeah, that's fair
0: yeah so the second question based on this film and this film alone is nick cage good or bad matt do you want to start there
2: i'm going to because it's it's an ivory yes or a no and no in between i'm going to say yes on the basis that i was entertained by his character um he had some of the elements that i really like about nick cage um and i think it was a more tapped in um crazier you know how i mentioned about national treasure i want my i want my treasure hunters to to be flawed and i want them to be a little crazy and i want them to be a bit kooky and that's exactly what nick cage was in this to to more of an extent than the first one so i'm going to say yes because i've got to give you a yes or no answer (laughs) Um,
1: so yes
0: that's perfectly fair my answer was going to be yes for exactly the same reasons i want my nick cage to be a bit off the wall and that's what we got that we didn't get in the first one, so yeah. for me it's a yes as well.
1: Stu, yeah, exactly the same. I think he seemed more of a believable character in this one as well. Strangely enough, even with even with the whacking, he seemed to fit in a in a way, mm-hmm. whereas yeah. in the first he just it looked in the first it was more like more found in than this one. And when you think sequels don't normally do it that way, but um, this it's one strange,
2: yeah, yeah. yeah He's lecturer Indy in the first one. He's Indiana Jones in the second one. Do
1: you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like
2: yeah,
0: no, that's, that's, exact, that's exactly what it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there we go. That's our first picture pod done and out of the way. I'm quite pleased with that. The, the two national treasures. They were um, could have been worse films to kick it off with.
1: It's thoroughly enjoyable nonsense. I think that's the that's the best way you could describe them. Um, yeah. They're not going to win any any awards for being intellectual. But turn your brain off on, like Matt said, Sunday afternoon adventure films. That's exactly what they are. And it was it was a, it was a fun ride, fun for hours.
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, it's a nice little warm up for something with a little more substance. I think when we look into our cult heroes acting career, um, we'll 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 uncover a few more noteworthy performances. But it definitely felt like a nice warm up, and I'm, I'm glad that we've covered it.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. So, yeah, once again, thank you for joining us on our podcast. You can follow us on at Pod on Twitter. If you've got any questions you'd like answering on our next question cast, please email us at CageFightingPod at gmail.com. Matt, would you like to say goodbye?
2: Take it
1: easy, guys. Stay safe.
0: Stu, would you like to say goodbye?
1: See you later. See you on the next one.
0: And from me, I would like to say bangs and mash. Bubbles and squeak, <laughs> smoke teal pipe, haggis. See ya.
1: That's enough, sir. Spankers and mash. Sir? Bumbles and squeak. Smoke Smoked deal pie. Sir? Hi, That's it! Just-